Episode 38, The Dung Heap Metaphor. Welcome to Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast that explores how ancient wisdom, a practical perspective, and deep truth can empower you to live your best life. In this episode, Taoist Master Michael Steenrod reminds us that it's okay to be in the world while you gradually convert your social mind into Tao mind. Everybody that I've ever trained has been in the world, and everybody that's ever trained with me has been in the world. Uh, if you renounce, it is much later on, uh, meaning that you have overlapping elements. The, you see, the key is, is as you begin to discard elements of the social mind, you're no longer bound by them. It doesn't matter what the people around you are doing because they don't influence you. Uh, and so you still have interactions, they're just different. Uh, and plus, uh, many of the interactions, like the vision that you develop later on, is that, for example, you'll see somebody caught in an internal struggle over something that's largely imaginary. Uh, but they believe that it exists. Uh, and the mere fact that they believe that it exists means that they are bound in the rules of that issue. So if you take somebody caught into an issue or a fear uh, that they're occupied with, then their mind will simply cycle the fear. Uh, within the social mind, you would be influenced by that fear or attached by it or it would somehow resonate in you and stimulate a similar fear within you. Uh, and so that would occupy your mind. However, as you move out of the social mind, it doesn't concern you anymore, but you can understand the concern that it has for other person because they're bound into the rules of the thing that they do. Uh, and in fact, in the beginning, that's a very difficult issue for many practitioners because as they create separation, what they want to do is free everybody from their own traps. What, what you, yeah, it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is that the traps are deliberate, meaning that the person consciously sustains them. And they must work through uh, their own rule system. As long as they, whatever situation you're in, whatever mind you have, has its own collection of rules. When you're in that mind, you're bound by those rules. It doesn't matter that as an outsider, you can look at it and go, those rules, or that situation doesn't really exist. It exists simply because they have created it. And as social mind disappears, you uh, start not being part of that game anymore. And so it doesn't matter what the other people are doing. Uh, they can be active with one particular thing. You're active with your own particular thing. Now, in some ways, at more advanced levels, that gives you almost magical ability or perception. Uh, but the reality is, is that you're just following the actual game, and, and they're involved in their own thing. Uh, so their rule sets prevent you from, from them even recognizing some of what you're doing. Uh, except when it intrudes into their rules in some way. And then it's like you're playing a video game and suddenly a little smiley face pops out of nowhere and goes, and they go, hold it, that's not supposed to be part of the game. Uh, and, but it's part of the bigger game. And so it doesn't matter where you are positioned. It's not so much that Sun has renounced to reject society because it's unnecessary for him to reject society. He's not even remotely bound into it. In fact, he's, uh, I've begun to think that he's not even remotely bound into perception. Uh, but the 
reality is, is that his renounced status is a matter of that he has certain connection points to the world and they are not very strong. Uh, and so they are willed connection points. That is not the pathway to get there. That is an end state. Uh, the pathway to get there is you have to be in the world and you have to deal with it. Uh, otherwise, you'll be very vulnerable to whatever little game happens to pop up. If, if you can only move spiritually because you are separated from the influence of the world physically, then you haven't really moved spiritually. You've created an artificial game for yourself. As soon as you're exposed to the external game, you'll be drawn into it immediately. Uh, and that is the big problem with separation from the world. If you are in the world and you create the separation, its ability to draw you is much smaller. You're still bound to a certain extent by the rule system of anything that you interact with. And uh, this is really what the dung heap metaphor is. Uh, and so as I was talking with Soon at one time, forget what we were talking about, but my basic thought was is that after a certain point of development, uh, it didn't really matter what you were surrounded with, with hygiene or anything like that. So an extension of what I'm saying. But what he, he said in response, and I'll put it to you in his words, if you're standing on a pile of shit, it doesn't matter how shiny your robes are. You still get shit on you. Uh, and uh, that's the dung heap metaphor. And, and varieties of it have been promoted across the ages. Uh, and that is, if you are dealing in certain environments, no matter you being shiny on the inside, it's still going to be clopped on top of you. That's just the nature of it. Uh, that's the nature of interacting with the game. However, you're still separate from it. The difference is, is most people are actually eating the pile as they're standing on it. Uh, and so, yeah, they're bathing in it, rolling around, swimming. It will mean something more to you the farther you go along. Uh, what I'm really dealing with in, in certain ways is a conceit of spiritual advancement. Because in the beginning, as you're moving along, you begin to think you're immune to certain things. Uh, and you find out you're immune to a certain level. If it's a big enough pile, you're still going to get it on you. First, it's an issue of what you define as enlightenment, because enlightenment is a very general term. Uh, the thing to remember about any spiritual development is a process, it's not a doorway. Uh, so they could make, what usually happens in isolation is that you'll make perceptual adjustments. Uh, so you'll, you'll alter your perception uh, and that will alter uh, both your actions and you may be able to alter your belief structure to a certain extent. But the, the thing is, is that it's untested and the social mind is strong and pervasive. It makes an active attempt to dominate people's minds as it goes along. Uh, it's, it's a thing. It makes a concerted effort to do what that thing does. And so if you have developed your control of perception or the pack of perception, action, or perception, awareness, and choice, if you've developed perception and awareness in isolation, it will be very easily taken over by social mind. A social mind, the thing is, is that it's incredibly persuasive. Uh, it's one of the reasons that people accept it. Uh, and if you are exposed long enough to it without reinforcing your old situation, you'll be drawn into it. However, if the social mind simply becomes another mental position that you can choose to occupy, then that's all it ever is. So if you are able to occupy more than one slice of, 
of the pack or of behavior or of belief, behavior, and uh, choice, then that's what social mind is. It's You can run or you can switch, let's say, from one piece of software to another piece of software in your head, and then you're bound by the rules that are within your head uh, as you go along. So you can certainly make gains in isolation, but the gains are limited and they've never faced anybody. Uh, they've never come up against any sort of real opposition. Uh, and that's a tough spot to be in. Uh, and uh, you have to test it. Your system has to develop in part under stressors as you go through. And, and at the very least, learning to manage those stressors as you're starting to form this more advanced mind. And in reality, this is more difficult than enlightenment was 1,000 years ago. Uh, it's you're dealing with a much more persuasive, much stronger social mind, and much greater set of rules. Uh, it's uh, vastly different than what it used to be, uh, and so you know we're really dealing with the enlightenment process in this era and in this particular timeline, uh, and uh, and that is more difficult. But it can still be approached just by using this position here. What I'm saying is uh, in some ways be very cautious about developing something that can only exist in a rarefied environment uh, because that's where it will exist, no place else. Yeah, it's the mystery school tradition. Hermit tradition again is really a training of resistance and trial uh, and so you, I mean you're certainly being trained in skill but a lot of it is progressive, uh, uh, progressive resistance uh, and so that's just done in a different way. Uh, unless it's a matter of your, it's a hermit training complete removal from society, then that will exist as long as there's no counter pressure uh, that's applied to the person. And there are many different types of mystery schools. The Four Ascendant emphasizes this factor uh, because of the belief that you must develop proficiency in all four spheres in order to be complete. Uh, and the other aspect is you're really dealing with the concept, if you see the word adept in something, it, what it really translates into is power. Uh, and, and by that, the power to determine outcome, the power to act, the power to shift probability, the power to, power to favor your own choice lines as you go through. And uh, uh, rather than simply being uh, in a preserved environment as you go along. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. If you're looking for more resources on Taoism, please visit thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Now, back to the program. We have basically two minds. One's the target mind, the Tao mind with a little T, meaning the software in your head. And then you have your starting position, which is the social mind. Over here we have the Tao with a big T, or Tao mind with a big T. And basically the process of converting one mind to the other is to expose the social mind to the Tao mind. And those are, are moments of insights. And we do that through behavior. Uh, or the shifting of belief. Uh, and so each exposure to true reality causes a small shift within the social mind. 
However, this also has to be fueled by your desire to have that occur. You have to have made the choices that will permit the social mind to change. Otherwise, what happens is that unless it's a really serious intrusion of the Tao mind, or the, the Tao, the true reality, into the model, the social mind, uh, all that will happen is that it will either be ignored or a little fracture will develop in the social mind. It will attempt to compensate for the existence of that reality. Either it will uh, they'll deny it in some way, it will create a mild form of insanity, uh, or it causes some other mental problem. The truth is, is that the mental system that we have, the social mind, is a collection of basically these little boxes that are at different levels of efficiency. They have cracks in them. Uh, or like a bunch of gears almost, you could also think of them. And some of the gears, they fit completely, some of them don't fit all the time, some of them have broken teeth, and that's because it's an organic system. If the mind itself is not placed under concentrated and progressive stressors, it doesn't really develop a great deal of efficiency within the operation. The other thing is, is that the social mind can never develop extremely high level efficiency. It's built to be inefficient and it's also built on illusion which means it's inherently inefficient. So you know you have gears turning for things that don't exist uh, and that makes problems. <clears throat> if a piece of reality pops in here it's like tossing a stone into the gear works uh, it will destroy some parts of the gearing. Uh, and you can get insanity emerging as a result simply because of the great inefficiency of the social mind as you go through. But remember, or something to keep in mind is we've often drawn this little side diagram of the Tao mind over here or the true reality. There's also another factor over here which we have not really talked about. And there's a social mind with a big S the social mind existing as an outside force that even as these small gears or the things within this inefficient little s social mind are broken or changed, this is exerting a force that tries to keep the model, the software in your head exactly the same. So this is kind of like the internet over here, the big social mind. The big s social mind was created by humans. Uh, and so this exists at it's like the internet updating the software in your head to fit exactly what's there. And so it continually does that over and over again and exerts a counter force. That's why unless a person has made the proper choices and has done the work, exposure to Tao mind doesn't cause our exposure to true reality, the big T Tao mind, doesn't cause a change in the model. It, all it does is it causes errors in the social mind. What you have to do is create an opportunity to change the social mind into this better software of the Tao mind with a little t. But the other thing is, is if you start from the position of the Tao mind then what you do is the adept training. Uh, and so that's a whole other issue. It's like, uh, you know, who did I make this? I just discussed this with somebody very recently. The uh, uh, there's basically a uh, let's say that you start off and you have a 
because of a tragic accident, you lack the use of your legs. Well, surgery restores the use of your legs to you. Okay? That is the movement from social mind to Tao mind. Okay? It doesn't mean you can go out and run a marathon. Uh, if you want to go beyond walking and you want to like be a marathon runner or a speed runner or a hurdler, uh, you have to train for it as you go along. And so you, you take your extra capacity and you, you then use it for other purposes. That would be probably the new starting position. But again, you're starting to deal with what's really the, the concept of the Taoist utopia, uh, which is uh, a, a whole other issue. And so the, the basic thought of, well, what happens if we were to simply redesign and blah, blah, blah. The problem is, is that humans did design what they view as being the utopia, and that's social mind. Humans are easily persuaded by the demonstration of power of any sort. All religion of any sort is formed off of miracles. Uh, and so the pathways for developing spiritual development would be built by somebody who had no idea of what the starting point uh, was of the populations that they were dealing with. And the other thing is, is that you'd be screwing with the nursery you'd change it in some sort of fundamental way. Because the nursery, the karmic nursery, uh, the issue of karma or not karma is not directly chained to the issue of enlightenment. You can have an enlightened person that doesn't have any karma if they start in that position. In theory, enlightenment would make you extremely sensitive to what acts built karma quickly, so you could quickly ascend whatever pole you wanted to, as long as you had the ability to fully control yourself, which is another aspect of enlightenment, uh, self-awareness and self-control. And so your ability to generate karma very rapidly uh, would also be a factor within there. I've met other adepts uh, uh, besides Soon and interacted with them. Uh, in general, they're insanely powerful and insanely bright. Uh, so just one or two indicators of something allows them to completely process a situation. That and, the, uh, and at the adept level, with full skill, your ability to change quickly uh, is frightening. Uh, and, but humans have a natural capacity to change. Uh, and the thing that you gain more and more skill at is the ability to change. Uh, and so with initial enlightenment, you can change from here to there, let's say. Let's say each month you can make a change. You can become almost an entirely different person. With full adept skill, you can make that change every five minutes as long as you have the chi. And five minutes might actually be slow. So you can become an entirely different person, just reorganize your structure of belief, behavior, and choice very rapidly in extremely short periods of time. Uh, and it makes for a great party. The big thing is that the farther you progress spiritually, is you, if you have karma as well, you get to directly interact with the Tao. You can make multiple changes in the mind structure without entering into social mind. The social mind is really the being persuasively bound into the social mind structures. Uh, and so, and in fact, if you enter into part of social mind, even much later into training, it's so persuasive you can forget your positions. Meaning you forget that you were not in the social mind. Uh, and you forget that you can break back out or that you can just open the doorways. And the same thing even occurs in, in mental states for meditation or in mind training, which is the, really the ability to, to use different gears within the mind effectively. There will be times where you just get caught there and you forget the other position. Uh, so, for example, in meditation, there are times, many times in meditation now, 
when I'm in there and I forget that the outside world exists. Uh, I have to consciously will my reconnection to it and I have to remember uh, it's like a little tiny thread. You have to follow it in order to come back. Uh, and the thing that really happens is it stops being very persuasive to come back. Uh, and so it's a matter of like, well, you know, I, I just don't have to deal with any of that if I don't want to. My meditation is greatly different than somebody else's meditation. Uh, like many times in, in meditation, a lot of times there's a removal of the senses. And so initially you have that, that comfortable darkness. But what you find is that there's a lot in the comfortable darkness. Uh, I mean, you can entertain yourself with your own brain for huge amounts of time, but sometimes you get caught within the meditation itself and you're not, it's, the darkness is not an absence of this world, it's a different world. Uh, and so you're in it and it's extremely persuasive, you're bound within its rule structures, time passes according to its own whatever element, uh, reality is constructed of thought and choice just like it is here, uh, but the you just have to find your way back. When you're first starting meditation, you have to make a conscious effort to go into the meditative state. That state is new, and we really understand it as being an absence of the world. Uh, the, but as you go farther into it, or as you've done it for several years, it, it flips around. You have to make a conscious effort to sustain this world, and this world is seen as a contrast to meditation. Uh, so you start judging things by how they're not meditation. Uh, and uh, that's where the, the significant difference is. So this world is the absence of meditation, whereas initially meditation is the absence of this world. Does that make sense? And that's a significant change in position uh, because it's not like you're coming out of meditation and returning to the world. Uh, it's like you're going into the world and when you go into meditation, you're coming out of the world. Uh, so it's, it's actually flipped around. Uh, so meditation, the world of meditation, uh, is much more the dominant state. Uh, and, but that's because it, it, it's not the same state that you start with. The same state, or the first state, is created by breaking attachment. Uh, later on, it's the world that's completely without attachment, which is, some ways, overlaps with this world, but uh, is bigger, so that's about as far as I can go with language because uh, you know the words for describing it anymore don't exist in day-to-day -day conversations. So. It's desirable to hang out in. Uh, I mean, what it does is that your mind, if you are seeking to make change, your mind makes changes in meditation much faster than it does in any other point. Uh, if you're, uh, it is an avenue that is available to. A practitioner as they go along. You certainly don't need to be able to do that for the pursuit of enlightenment or the change of the the uh, the states. Uh, it's the let's say while you're in meditation, the social mind influence, the influence of the greater social mind is much weaker, uh, and so the changes or things that you do within the meditative state are much more powerful uh, and. A few simple acts of will or invocation or even visualization when you're in the deep meditative state can be worth days of practice outside. Uh, and so the rate of change is tremendously uh, enhanced by being within the meditative state. When you're in there and you run out of things to do,
Like you'll, you'll just run out of calming. Uh, you'll run out of sustaining the state. Your brain will automatically start to work something. Uh, and then, then you set out to unravel the knots that you've tied yourself into. Uh, and, uh, and it really is like that. You have little binding knots in your awareness that control how you move. Basically, they're, they're like little shiny knobs or buttons or bolts within the social mind. They're so strong that they have to be dealt with in order for you to develop a new mind. Uh, and so parts of the social mind collapse very easily. Other parts of it, uh, they require, it requires concentrated effort to get rid of. But as you're passing from one social mind state, or from the social mind state to the Tao mind state, and gradually creating that transition, there are times where you're going to have these hugely efficient mental processes stuck within the social mind. So you're, you'll have like parts of enlightenment, and uh, that's not necessarily a good spot to be in. Uh, the the calm smooths that out. That's one of the reasons that mind of clarity, the third stage of development, can only really take two years. And uh, uh, at most, and it's because you can't stay in between. You have to pass through. Uh, if you stay in between, what happens is the social mind gets stronger, uh, and also the uh, you really only have two attempts at it, uh, based on stats. Because after you've gone through your second attempt, the social mind has developed extremely strong connections and extremely has become much more efficient, basically. Uh, and so it's even more persuasive than it used to be. So you have to choose one of the other enlightenment pathways. You might be able to pull it off by stillness. You could do it by ceremonial systems. But to use the actual method of a mind of clarity to get through to achieve that tremendous clear unbiased, basically mind of clarity allows you to directly plug in to Tao mind and get a constant non-stop stream of true reality. Right. And so you see it absolutely clearly, and you can respond to it as you go through. It's a massive acceleration, but if you are unsuccessful in doing that, the, the social mind gets stronger. Uh, the system adapts, it becomes more pervasive, and it prevents you from entering in. Uh, and the other thing is, is that you failed for a reason. That's the, the thing to keep in mind. It wasn't some nefarious, I mean, the social mind is getting stronger, but it got stronger because you made the choice for it to get stronger. Uh, and so that pathway will close off. And many times it will seem like you've got this, you will, it will seem like you have this, this nefarious force that's working against you. In some ways it is, but it only works against you if you allow it to work against you, if your choices permit that function to occur. And so people that fail to establish mind of clarity do so deliberately. Uh, they don't want mind of clarity. Like they get the initial and go, okay, I'm failing at this right now. And so then they set out to erode the mind of clarity because it's not a huge set of complex behaviors. It's an applied series of perceptions. You study it, you practice the elements of it, and it, it creates direct perception. Uh, and then you have to process it. That's one of the reasons that you need the meditation, is to allow you to actually process it and allow you to actually deal with the stresses that pop up. The other thing is, is that you need the chi the, the cost for entering into it is tremendous. And that's because enlightenment does not occur just in the mind. Enlightenment is led by the mind. Uh, but the mind has to be destroyed in the process of enlightenment, which you know, is a the risky point. That's costly chi-wise, and it's because your whole being changes as you shift in perception. It is not just a, 
oh, I'm going to think this sentence now. Right. It's your whole fundamental nature changes to something else. Uh, because as I've often said to people, you are the social mind. It's not something imposed on you. Even the part of you all that's listening to me right now is the social mind. The part of you that's down mind already knows everything I'm saying. So that's not listening to me at all. It's just like, oh, hey, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to get squeezed through the spiritual canal. So. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. In the next episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod wonders if you are really ready to leave your old self behind. Until then, find much more on Taoism at thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Thank you.